0: Imagine being perfectly positioned to deal with the pandemic from a K-12 schools standpoint. That's Jeff Udick. Instead of just being in the K-12 space, he specializes in technology implementation for K-12 schools. But he didn't just fall into that. He spent years building a brand, understanding his audience, and giving away content. How has that helped him? Let's find out. Plus, in Build Something More, we get deep into education during the pandemic. I want you to look for takeaways about creating great content by understanding your niche, that having a podcast is a huge piece of your sales funnel, and how to best leverage social media. You can find all of the show notes for this episode at howibuilt.it slash 283. And I want to thank this week's sponsors, Nexus and Learn Dash. I also want to let you know that for the next couple of episodes, and perhaps intermittently throughout the uh, through the end of the year, I'm going to be recommending podcasts right here instead of a having a pre roll spot. So. Right before the intro, right after this open, you're going to hear about a podcast that I recommend and I'm excited to tell you about. So definitely stay tuned for that. So let's get to the podcast recommendation and then the intro and the interview. According to the New York Times, 81% of people want to write a book. I'm one of them, and if you're one of them, too, and you want to actually make money as a result of your book, Entrepreneur Publishing Academy, hosted by New York Times bestselling author Anna David, is for you. Every week, she either answers a question about how to build a business with your book or interviews a bestselling author or top entrepreneur. Guests have included everyone from Chris Voss to Adam Carolla, Jay Abraham, and Robert Greene. Named a Best Publishing Podcast by LA Weekly, Feedspot, and Kindlepreneur, Entrepreneur Publishing Academy is your fun weekly lesson that will show you why a book is the best business card and how to make and maximize yours. You can get a link in the description or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast where you get free coaching calls from successful creators. Each week, you get actionable advice on how you can build a better content business to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Jeff, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. We did a little bit of a a podcast swap, though. We didn't like call it that, and I, I we just both kind of felt like we had... Uh, genuine, uh, the ability to help each other's audiences. So I'm really excited about this.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great way, you know, it like just tip number one, if you're into podcasting, you know, anytime you can, you can do that type of thing. Like your episode just came out. Thank you for doing that. Uh, talking about podcasting and podcasting resources for educators and students who might want to get involved, uh, seeing that we're focused on education specifically k-12 education Uh, i think you just had some great insight Uh, so if people want to go listen to that they can head over to uh, sospodcast.org or of course you can find shifting our schools uh, anywhere you can find a podcast so
0: yeah i will link that in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 283 that's the episode number for today so all of the show notes and everything we talk about will be over there so um yeah so let's dive right into this um I think the first thing I want to ask you here, right, is building a successful brand. you just you just gave uh, a sentence or so about who your target audience is. If I'm starting out in my business and i'm I want to create content, um, I've always found that like being general, being too general, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody, uh, right. how did you figure out who to talk to and who your target audience is?
1: Yeah, so I'm an educator by trade. I was a fourth grade teacher uh, and I've been an educational consultant since 2009. So I've already been kind of doing this stuff uh, for a long time. So my audience really was built in to those that I was already uh, communicating with and doing consulting work around. And when we decided to start shifting our schools, it was that point, though, right? Like, and especially for, you know, you're talking about narrowing down your audience. If I just say K 12 education, There's literally over a million educators just in the United States. Now we think global at Shifting Schools, right? So we take in, we have, you know, Canadian teachers, Australian, New Zealand. I work a lot with international schools in Europe and Asia. So really our audience is a global audience. And I think most people have to, you have to be thinking about that, right? Like it's not always just US centric. Your audience might be US centric, but a lot of times, especially with podcasts, you know, you can get outside of that and be thinking about that. So for us, the first thing was thinking about, okay, we have millions of K-12 teachers, but within that, there's only a small segment that actually listen to podcasts. And within that small segment, what are the ones that we're really after? Now, my focus has always been tech integration. And so we're focused specifically on K-12 teachers who are interested in technology, who are interested in using technology with students in their classroom, or are administrators who might be rolling out a new technology plan at their school, or instructional coaches or technology coaches who are hired by school districts to support. So we've taken this really broad audience, and we're really trying to focus and narrow it down to a very specific niche within the K twelve, um, and and that's really where we try where we try to focus our efforts. Of course, from there, it always then expands back out, right? Like our idea is is if I can get it, if I can get a principal to mention one of our resources at a training or send one of the resources out via email to the rest of their teachers, well, now we have more teachers, right? So our our idea is to start with this little niche inside K-12 and have that niche help expand our audience for us. So that's kind of our approach.
0: I like that a lot. And it makes sense. convert kit is a brand that I really admire. And Nathan Berry, the founder and his team, did that as well, right? They They are... I don't know if they use this language, but I'll use this language. They are like the email service provider for creators. But they didn't just say we're for all creators, right? They created separate landing pages for musicians, for podcasters, for online course sellers. Um, And then they individually reached out to each of these audiences and did what you just said, right? Uh, reach a couple of them get them to promote to their audience uh, of musicians or podcasters and right. and that's how they grew uh, and I think that's such a great idea or an, a great plan to execute because when you when you talk to you know people say the ideal customer avatar or whatever but you're right. you know Kara uh, chase is well I this is a little episode at a time thing because her episode is coming out after this one, but <laughs> uh, we recorded before, and she talks about, um, like picking like an arbitrary like name and gender and age is like that's like just total guessing most of the time, but like yeah. saying uh, my target audience is K twelve teachers interested in tech and who want to improve the tech in in their classroom or or um, now you get to talk directly to those people, right? And right. so, I, you know, I tell, I secretly, I say I help any podcaster make money, but like secretly, like all of my, everything I talk about is kind of focused towards like speakers, authors and educators, because that's what mm. I am. I right. know the language that they're using, but then if they're like, hey, this guy helped me, maybe he can help you, even though like you're none of those things. That's yeah, kind of the same plan. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you figured that out because you were kind of entrenched in the space, right? Fourth grade teacher. So you have K-12, like actual K-12 experience. And then you served as an educational consultant. So you were, you understand the questions that those types of people are asking, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of our content comes from. You know, a lot of our content comes from, I'm still consulting today. You know, I I keynote conferences, I I go and do workshops and professional development days. And a lot of our stuff comes from, you know, I'll go and spend, uh, for example, I just spent two days with pre-service teachers at a university. I teach a university course for those that want to become teachers. And I've got six episodes because here are teachers, they're going to be teachers, right? They're graduating, I think, in December and they will be teachers in December. And they have these great questions, and so I'm jotting down these questions that are all going to become episodes where I can go out and I can find an educator, or I find a Joe, or I find somebody that I'm like, Hey, I've got this great question that educators, like this is on the mind of educators. Can you come on my show and help me answer this question? So I'm always looking for questions. And I think that is, is, a, a, another great tip. Like if you're going to be a podcaster, whatever, wherever, you know, whatever realm you're in, Uh, Or you want to start a business? What are the questions that people are asking? And how can you help answer those questions? And I I mean, I've got uh, the journals not here. It's still my backpack because I just got home, but I actually have a journal I carry around and I'm constantly writing down like, oh, that's a great question. And then you start to see topics start to come up, right? Like all of a sudden things start bubble up. You're like, man, these four questions are pretty much the same question. If that happens, you've got a pretty good episode, or you can make a free resource to help answer that question, which is what we do a lot of times, and, and that's how you start to get traction, right? So, it starts with, and this is my wife's a school counselor, and the thing she tells me every day is, don't forget to listen, right? It's yeah. such an important tool.
0: Don't forget to listen. I like that a lot, and it's easy to kind of kind of like get random emails from people, and um, especially... You know, I come from the developer world and and people get a lot of new developers will send questions. It's like, I have, can you look at this code and like, you know, like help me rewrite it? And those kind of things, I think almost train like freelance developers or other people in that same situation to not want to answer those questions, right? Because now you're mm-hmm. asking me to do what I charge like 150 bucks an hour to do. Right. Um, but moving into the educational space or the general business space, like you want to know what yeah. questions people have, what problems they're trying to solve. Because your product, your service should be a solution to a problem. Um, and, and I think this was one of the hardest lessons I learned. Because again, as a developer, I was always like, oh yeah, this uses the latest technology. This is the best LMS plugin for WordPress. Right, yeah. People who want to sell online courses, like they just want to sell them, right? They
1: don't
0: don't really care that this is the best plugin for WordPress. They want to know, is this going to, can I build the course I want to build with this tool?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, um, we just, we try to listen as much as possible and we try to create those resources. If If there's one fault that we have at Shifty Schools, we give away too much free stuff and we've been told this over and over again. If you go over to shiftyschools.com under our resource library and if you're an educator you'll get it if you're not it just looks like a bunch of random stuff. But <laughs> um but we have like over 60 free PDF guides. And these are at these we call them plug and play. Like they're actual lesson plans that teachers can download. And over 60% of those have come from either emails or uh a tweet that, uh, that teachers have, there's a ton of teachers on Twitter. Uh, that's where a bunch of educators hang out. Um, and we'll get these questions like, Hey, I'm looking for a resource on X, Y, and Z. And if we don't have it, we make it, we upload it and we give it away for free. Now, when I say give it away for free, of course, you have to give us your email, right. To download the free PDF. And now we've got you on our newsletter list, which is really what the free stuff is about. Um, but we're constantly giving away free stuff. Like we we make, I mean I don't know. We must make a new free guide to something every other
0: week. Wow. Yeah. So we're actually, can I it let's let's dig into that really quick, and then I want to circle back to if you're, you know, I think a lot of creators worry about giving away too much for free, especially if you're in like the knowledge exchange space, yeah. right? Like. If I tell you everything I know, like, why would you pay me for anything? And, and I have, I have thoughts around that, but right. let's, let's talk about the creating a free guide every other week. Um, first of all, I'll just, add, do you, you have a team of people?
1: Yeah. I have one other person at the moment. My team fluctuates based on okay. where we are. It's, it's summertime right now. And, uh, you know, teachers are on holiday. So everything like our podcast numbers sync, sink, everything mm-hmm. sinks in the summertime, especially yeah. in the month of July when we're recording this. Um, and so I do have one person. I have a creative content person. She's also an educator, so she speaks the language. She understands what is going on, and she's the one that's pumping out the guides. Uh, she's getting the podcast guests. She's running uh, all of our social media and kind of just keeping things keeping things going. And then we meet once a week and say, "What are the questions that we're hearing coming up, and where do we want to drive the conversation for next month?"
0: Gotcha. So I guess the 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 real and the real question I was asking was like, "Do you have like?" 10 people so that you're you have one person working on a guide per month or whatever but you you have one person one person um, what's her process like you know is she she you said she's an educator so she probably understands what you're doing pretty well like you said and maybe she doesn't yep. have to do a ton of research but maybe she does right and so like maybe how does she find the information to put together the guide where does she write the guide what is she is she using like canva or like quark express yeah. we're,
1: we're we're big canva we're big canva yeah. users and i think that's the other thing with your free guides is we went into canva and we spent a lot of time um with another uh, another friend and colleague of mine who's kind of part-time but mostly does it for free she's out of new zealand uh, but she's a uh, she's really into uh, design. So she designs our website uh, and she designs like our color schemes and our logos. And so one of the first things we did is we went into Canva and we bought a pro account in Canva and set up like once you do that, you can create your branding kit. And the branding kit then, you know, you can put in your logos and your brand colors. And again, this all comes down to right recognition of your brand. And so all of these free guides look Exactly. Like, you know, when you're getting a shifting schools guide, you know, and so we, we rely heavily on Canva. Everything is put into Canva. Uh, and so everything is coming out. It looks the same. It looks professional. Um, You know, my content creator, she loves Canva. Um, And then her process is usually, I mean, she's just amazing to start with. She's just in- incredible. Uh, creative person, but she does. She'll go out and research. She can find some different uh, links, usually videos or articles to pull together to put for links inside of a a PDF. She's an educator. So she knows how to create really good lesson plans. So it's, you know, she has the content knowledge. And I think that's really important. Could you go out and could I go out and, and hire a VA, a virtual assistant to do this stuff? Yes. Do they know education? No and i'm when i'm in a knowledge place like education is very is a knowledge economy right yep. these yep. teachers are looking for knowledge it's a knowledge economy i need somebody that understands that right i need somebody to understand that if i need plumbing done i don't go and hire a lawn maintenance person right i need a plumber and we have to remember that. I, I love VAs. I've used VAs. When, when things get out of control, I will hire a VA to, to do stuff. But there are specific parts of your organization. There are specific parts of your company. You need a knowledgeable, like somebody who knows depth of that knowledge. You know, you use the idea of a web developer, right? You have to know code. Like you're getting emails because they know you know code, right? right? You can't just go ask somebody, hey, look at this code. There's knowledge that's needed there. Uh, and so there are some things like you know have a VA there's a lot of great stuff you can do but when it comes to building content you need somebody with that with that understanding so you make sure you're you're talking your audience's language it's so key
0: Yeah absolutely and and to that point like I have a VA she's great she's going to use my Canva template to make the imaging for this because that's yeah. a very clear process step by step but when I, you know, one of the mistakes I made early on, right, I, I, I set her up for failure here because I thought I could just tell her to do something and, and it would get done. But that's, the type of VA she is, is not that. So right. I said, just find a bunch of conferences for me to speak at. Like I want to speak at, you know, I talk about podcasting and WordPress or whatever. Yeah. And like most of the conferences she found were like, she found conferences, but they weren't good fits. Or they already happened. Um, And I was like, that was unclear direction. And that's very subjective, right? Just like I'm not going to ask her to uh, find the pull quote for this conversation. That's something that I've got to do because I'm having the conversation. I know what's the most impactful. Once I find it, she can make the audiogram or whatever. Right. Like the extra content. So I think that's really important. I'll have a link to the show notes to Canva. I'm a big fan of Canva too. Um, again, with the caveat that knowing that, like, uh, I have another conversation coming up where we're like, the tool matters less than uh, the actual doing it. Um, right. If you're comfortable in Photoshop or whatever, like,
1: yeah, I'm not it. saying go learn
0: Ken. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, right. I suck at Photoshop, and yeah, Canva me made it really <laughs> easy for me. Um. So that's that's awesome. Now to circle back, you said you give too much away for free. I did look at those guides. There are a ton there. Um. And it's not just like, you know, like top five learning management systems. Like the first right. one I saw was a podcast for pride month. Right. Like that's like, right. I I would have never guessed, like you said, I'm not in the K-12 space. I would, you know, right. I would have never guessed. I, I also went to like, not to get any, not to get dicey or anything, but I went to Catholic school. So we probably wouldn't have had that topic in school anyway. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so like, you're right. Like that's super niche content. Yeah. Um, and, and it's behind, not a paywall, It's it, you got to give your email address, right? So right. what does your, your funnel look like? You have this great content, people get onto your mailing list.
1: Yeah, so our funnel comes, uh, our, our two main funnels, like just looking at our statistics, it comes from our podcast. So in our podcast, we every time we launch a free PDF, every time we launch a free guide, there is a podcast episode talking about that guide. So, for example, that one, right? Uh, so, June is Pride Month. School is usually ending here in the United States in June. So, we wanted something that was simple, something that teachers could use. Here's a bunch of podcasts that are, to- that are geared towards middle school, high school, or we believe that middle school, high school kids could comprehend and-, and have some conversations around. So, the guide is, here are links to some podcasts, and here are some questions as a teacher that you might want to have follow-up conversations with your kids. I mean, that's really what the guide is, right? Like we've done all the searching for you. We found the podcast. We've come up with the questions. You just need to deliver it in your classroom. So we do the podcast episode saying, hey, we've got this new free guide. Here's what it looks like. Here are some of the questions that you're going to have conversations around in your classroom. If this interests you, head over to shiftingschools.com and download the free resource today. We get a lot of traction going from our podcast to our free guides. AKA our mailing list, right? The other thing is, is knowing where your audience is on social media. There's all kinds of social media out there, but you need to know where your audience is. Like I I have two different, two different companies actually, right? I have my K-12 company, which we're talking about now. Teachers are on Twitter to our best of knowledge, because I've been on Twitter. Like I'm, I'm Twitter number, like 132,000. Like I've been on Twitter. like from the beginning, like before there were smartphones, Twitter, right?
0: (laughs) So the, we you can know like send like, a text message, right? To tweet. Yes, I yeah. did. I had text messages
1: yeah. on my little flip phone in China. Right. Yeah. Um, but th- the thing is to know is that that is where the majority, for some reason, that is where teachers hang out. My K-12 teachers hang out on Twitter. To the best of our knowledge, there's over a million teachers on Twitter. So we don't spend a lot of time on TikTok. We're starting to talk about TikTok because there are teachers are starting to move that way, but we don't have a lot of teachers on Instagram. Teachers use Instagram for personal stuff, not professional stuff. Mm. So we need to hit teachers where they're at. So we get a lot of traction by saying, Hey, new free guide on Twitter right? And we put it out through the Shifting Schools Twitter account. We put it out through my personal Twitter account. Um, and because I've been on Twitter for a long time, I've got a pretty good educational following. I think 20,000 followers, which in education is, is a pretty good number. Yeah, And so we get a lot of traction from that. Now, if I had to spend that time in Instagram, I wouldn't see that traction because that's not where they're at. Now, my other business is real estate, right? My wife and I have a real estate investing business. I also have a podcast that I just started around real estate in the state of Washington. You talk about niche, just the state of Washington, but what do I know about real estate? They don't hang out on Twitter. They hang out on Instagram because everybody loves to show pictures of here's the house I flipped. Here's the house I bought. Here's the house I sold. So I spend no time on Twitter when it comes to real estate, because that's not where my audience is. All of our time and focus is on Instagram. And my, the message here is, is there's a million different social networks don't try to do them all, especially when you're starting. Yeah. As you grow and you grow a team, you can do them all. But when you're starting, know which one your audience is major, is mostly using and and really hone in on that one, whatever that one happens to be. But you got to do a little research and you got to know where people are. Otherwise you're wasting your time making TikTok videos for people over 65. It's just not going to work, right? I mean, it's cool and it's fun and you're hip because you're 28 and you're starting a business, but that's not where your audience is. So you got to do some research and understand where those are. So those are our two main funnels. Our podcast and our social media are aimed towards our free content, aka our mailing list. And from our mailing list, we go out to our online courses and consulting.
0: This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress, They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically In seconds, I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at HowIBuiltIt/learndash. A lot of people, especially in the creator space, are like, "You got to get on TikTok. Everybody's on TikTok. You got to get on TikTok." And me, I'm like, I'm not the most data privacy centric person, but I'm also like, I don't know about TikTok. I've been really hesitant. Yeah, me too.
1: (laughs) Um, Me too. Same reason.
0: And you know, I don't know that my audience is there. So, like you said, you know, this is a lesson I learned when I was at the University of Scranton, working at the University of Scranton. You know, I said, um, yeah. I, I felt like the all major universities are like really slow to move on anything. Yeah. And Snapchat was just getting big, or whatever. And and so I said, I said, you know, we're trying to get new students or whatever. How come we're not on Snapchat? And the the VP of uh, public relations said, we're not on Snapchat yet because we're not convinced it's going to help us because it might feel more like your dad coming to the house party, right? Oh, and true. we yeah. don't want that. We don't We don't want that associated with the University of Scranton brand. And I'm like, damn, that was a good answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought I was so like nailing him to the wall. Uh, yeah. 27 knowing everything, of course. Um, so, you know, I thought that was a really good answer and it, and it makes sense. Um, I did look at when you joined Twitter, You uh, the month before me. I thought I'd been on there for a long time. <laughs> I I joined on April Fool's Day. 2007. It's still the greatest April Fool's joke ever played on me. Is joining Twitter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That said, I'm like super active on. I if I had to guess, I think most podcasters are active on Twitter, especially in in Twitter Spaces. Like I, I should do that more. Um, But like I thought, like should I Instagram? Should I TikTok? And I don't. I don't. I'm not convinced that I should yet. Uh, So yeah. I think that's really great. So once people are on your mailing list, right, you do have paid products, I assume, right?
1: yeah we have uh, online courses that we run um, and we've got uh, both well we were running a lot of synchronous like live zoom session type Mm -hmm. of things but really what we're moving to now is a bunch of asynchronous stuff so basically we've recorded the videos ahead of time online courses you know you record Mm -hmm. the video ahead of time and people can either download them or go to our website and and view them there on the website Uh, that and and really what we're pushing towards is is trying to get back because the the pandemic in K-12 really and that's a whole other topic but just turn the thing upside down and trying to get back into the consulting space. Because before the pandemic, I was, you know, I was traveling 200,000 miles a year, supporting teachers and doing all that. And we're, we're just not back to a place where they're bringing in consultants yet. So it's trying to figure out like, how do we get, you know, it it will come back, but how in this meantime, how do we navigate and still support teachers and and still be relevant in a space? So those are the two things. Yeah. Our online courses and then consulting work that we do.
0: Gotcha, and I'm thinking and build something more. Maybe we can talk about the pandemic and how it impacted K-12 and how it impacted your business, especially because you're at the intersection of of K through 12 and technology. Is that yeah? Sound I've got good? some
1: good stories for you. That'll be good. Awesome.
0: Well, if you want to hear those stories, you can join the Creator Crew over at howibuilt.it It slash two eight three. There'll be a sign up link there, and uh, it's fifty bucks a year. That's less than five bucks a month. Like I pay. I pay five to six bucks for an iced coffee when I go to a coffee shop. So, lots of free content, ad-free extended episodes, live stream replays, and lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. Again, that's how awesome. I built at it slash two eight three. Um, so, uh, th- something I'm really curious about because I tried one of the first businesses I started that failed because I didn't understand anything um, was a a website building platform built on top of WordPress for. High schools. Uh, I built it on top of WordPress, so like my first problem was the GPL. Like I couldn't, I couldn't have a license for the code. I can only have a license right. for support. Um, but the other, and I guess the other major problem was uh, that it was two thousand eight, two thousand nine when I launched this business, <laughs> uh, and so like no one had money because there was a recession. Um, right. But I, I felt like selling a value proposition. Um, especially in like grammar schools, high schools, and again, I'm, I'm most familiar with Catholic schools who have even less money. Um, right. How do you how do you position your your paid products, right? Because do you get the schools to pay for them? I know like a lot of teachers have to pay for like their classroom supplies out of pocket and exactly. stuff like that. So what is that? How do how do you account for that?
1: Yeah, and I think this is really good for. You know, I, again, we failed more times than we've succeeded. Mm-hmm. You know, one of our, one of our mottos at Shifting Schools and just me in life is "fail fast, fail loud. Uh, I actually <laughs> stole that from a, an employee at Amazon here in Seattle. Uh, it's the way he runs his company, fell fast, fail loud. And that's what nice. we do a lot at, at um, Shifting Schools is we try stuff all the time. And when it fails, we celebrate it. We're like, oh my gosh, we just spent a thousand dollars building a course that nobody's bought. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and then we try to figure out Why? Right, yeah. and then it's like, what, what, what happened? And so that's that is a lot of what we're trying to do is we're we're, we're trying to position ourselves now into moving from um, teachers paying for individual courses because teachers don't have a lot of money uh, and they're asked to buy for a lot of stuff themselves. And what we were finding was, in order to sell any of our products, we're down to like fifteen dollars for an online course. Well, mm-hmm. at fifteen bucks, I need to sell like a thousand of them to even break even. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like right. it's it's not, it, it became like you're driving to the bottom dollar. And if you're racing to the bottom, you're not going to win. Yeah. So we are starting to change our strategy where we're putting together uh, groups of online courses that a district can buy. And this is through trial and error because we tried to sell directly to teachers and it just wasn't going anywhere. And so we are trying to get to that district level because districts have funds that come from all over places, grants and the state has different funds that they can only use on specific things. And right now, after the pandemic, we know that every state, thank you to the federal government, has specific funds on professional development, specifically on technology. So we know there's this bunch of funds that has to be used that way. Yeah. So our goal is, is like, can we package four or five online courses that we can then deliver to a school district, a district buys for all of their teachers. And then you buy a site license or it's, you know, $4,000 for for all your teachers or whatever, whatever the price is. So that, that's, that is where we're, we're headed, but it's been a lot of trial and error. And the other thing is to know is, is just like, again, we know educators, they want free stuff. If you've ever been to an educational conference, it's Mm -hmm. like one of the worst places, because if you're going to set up a booth in an educational conference, you better be giving away free pens, free squishy balls, because educators will take everything free that you give them. (laughs) Yeah. And that is also why when people come to our website, they're like, you give away a lot of stuff for free, but that in my community, in my community, that's how you build trust. People yeah. are willing to give over their money. If they've gotten 60 things for free, I'll give you five bucks for that one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> because
1: it's a way almost like, you almost, I mean, this sounds bad, but you can almost guilt your audience into it. And we've probably all, all done this right like i use uh uh is it cyberduck is that the ftp yeah. yeah right so i i've used that for years and you know at the end of it every time it's like donate 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 well 5 years later i'm like you know what i could donate yeah like i they guilted me into it i use their product it works great for me it does exactly what i need it to do here's 5 bucks here's 10 bucks you know yeah. um and so we we use that same kind of model we give a ton of stuff away for free because what it's doing is it's building trust with my audience. So then when I'm saying, "Hey, this resource is going to cost you 15 dollars," they'll hand over that 15 bucks. And I right. can get 5, 10, 15 dollars out of a teacher. By the right. time I hit 20 bucks, most teachers are like, "That's too expensive for me."
0: Wow. Right? And so really we have to,
1: and so we have to move to that, that other side of, of trying to get districts to pay for this. But the goal then is is like if I can get you, you're a teacher in into school. And I've got you bought in, right? And you're you're a super fan of us and you've got all these free resources. And all of a sudden I say, Hey, hey, Joe, I've got this set of five online courses that your district can buy for all of your teachers that aligns with everything you've seen. And you send it to your principal, and your principal cuts the check. Your principal looks like a hero because all their teachers has got these cool resources. You feel good, and I get paid, right? Yeah. So it's it's building that trust with your comp with your with your um, audience and in education, it's all through th- free stuff. We give away free books on the podcast. We give away, it's free, 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 free. Like it's yeah. the only way to get to the, the hearts and minds of an educator these days.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to be, uh, to be fair, right. It's, it's tough of educators are, especially K-12 educators are not paid enough. Um, and they do have to pay for stuff out of pocket. Right. So, um, yeah, That's like, you know, I felt I get down on like the WordPress community is where most of my stuff was targeted for a long time. And they feel the same way, except like you're building like a technology business, like you're building a business. You should be willing to invest like a thousand bucks in a cohort based course to help you make more money. That's not the, that's not the value proposition is different in your field, right? Because you can't necessarily say, hey, if you pay 500 bucks for my course, you're going to get a salary increase of more than that. You can't exactly.
1: say that. You can't yeah. say that. So. And this is the thing. I think K-12, I think targeting a K-12 audience is one of the hardest audiences to target, which is why there's so many ed tech companies that go belly up. Yeah. I mean, there are so many ed tech startups, you know, technology startups that are trying to get into the K-12 space. It's a really tough sell. You know, yeah. it really is hard to get in. There isn't a lot of money there. I mean, there is. there there is. There's billions of dollars, but you're right. talking billions of dollars spread over... Ten million kids, like it's right. not a lot of money when you start really you know, actually yeah. working numbers. So, yeah.
0: which, which is why it's know, even so. more important to understand your audience, right? Because you were Absolutely. a K twelve teacher, and so you you know where to go for you know how to find the money, essentially. Yeah, you know yeah. The psych, this like this the buying psychology. Um yeah. and and uh, just one more point on this, right? Your free your free content is good content, which. I think probably tells people they give away so much for free. If they're charging for this, it must be really good. Like, right. Yeah,
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's at least as good as the free stuff.
0: Right. Right.
1: And it's probably better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. the paid stuff actually has videos of Jeff, just not Jeff's audio on a podcast. Like you get to see Jeff and you get to hear Jeff's excitement and yeah. you get to hear this principal and that teacher who's used the resource. And, you know, you get all these extra bonus things and,
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely. So my my last question here as we're coming up on time, right, is it looks like you've got um you've got these self-paced courses, uh, team-paced learning pa- uh, pathways. And then y- it looks like you also might offer coaching. Um it really feels like lately, um self-paced courses are falling out of favor, maybe? Um, And and what people are looking for are cohort-based courses or group coaching programs. Are you seeing the same thing in the education, in the K-12 space?
1: Yeah, people want to connect. I mean, it's human nature. People want to connect. I think we saw the... You know the the asynchronous kind of self paced thing come and go. Not saying that it's not valuable. Um, not saying that there aren't people who are intrinsically motivated that will still do those. But what we are seeing is we're seeing the cohort model. You know, I think mastermind is the new big word for mm-hmm. basically a cohort model. Like we'll put together a mastermind group, you know, yeah. which is basically a cohort of learners. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, we we change the name and make it sound cool, and it's the same thing we've been doing for a long time. But we're we're seeing that. You know, we're seeing that that those are things we want. We do a lot of stuff around the Google platform, Google Workspace. I am a Google certified partner, nice. um, so that gives me some access to that. So you're going to be seeing what, what one of the things we're doing this summer is uh, with some some things that are happening at Google is we're putting together, uh, this group of courses that are all around using the Google workspace in schools, which is great for us. I mean, part of the reason to become a Google certified partner on my end is I think we're, we're running right around, I want to say around 80% of all schools in the U S use Google. Wow. So they've got a huge hold inside of K-12. And so knowing that knowing I'm a Google certified partner, I can, you know, we're making these, we're making these these group of courses that are going to be both what you're talking about. We are going to run a cohort where if you want to come and you want to meet with other educators around the U S and around the world and go through this work together. Fantastic. You get to expand your network, meet other educators, make connections. Wonderful. But if you are a school district that maybe just went Google or your teachers could use a little upping on their Google skills, you can buy the district can buy this set of courses you can then pay your teachers inside your inside your district, which a lot of districts will. They'll pay teachers, you know, whether it's not usually a salary bump, but every time you finish a course, you'll get a, mm-hmm. five, yeah, a little fifty little bonus. bucks or seventy five dollars, yeah. whatever it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so we're we're trying to use the same set to do both things with. So we'll see. Fill fast, fill fill loud. We'll see if it works. But uh, that's kind of that's kind of our strategy this summer.
0: This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. StoreBuilder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that StoreBuilder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. Store Builder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. We're in this... Ah, uh, this transitional period, right? Uh, the way the way I've been looking at it, kind of, is from my friend Chris Badgett, who owns, who runs Lifter LMS. Um, it's uh, which I guess I should say, like full disclosure here, their competitor is a current sponsor of this episode, but whatever. Um, uh, you know, I just Chris has coined this term for me, at least, uh, which is just in time learning, right? And yeah. with like a self paced course. That's what you get, right? You're banging around in Google, and you're like, "Oh man, how do I like set up that classroom site again?" Let exactly. me let me go to this course and like watch that. Where yeah. the the cohort based course uh, includes a little bit more uh, accountability, live training. You can ask those questions in a way that even with like the better community management tools we've been seeing lately, people when they when they have a question about a thing they're learning, they probably want to answer then, right? Like they're in that yeah. context. Um and so if if one of my students like takes a programming course and then they ask a question and I don't get back to them for 12 hours like they've either already figured it out on their own uh and so like my input is kind of useless or they've like left that context and maybe they're discouraged um so I think I I I like the cohort model I'm trying it out myself um I'll also maybe I'll 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 bait you into answering this question too a little bit, right? Which is something I heard so much that always kind of cut against my core belief is, oh yeah, a course, an online course is passive income. Like you just set it up and you walk away and it makes money. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe especially it's we both. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Go well, ahead. especially in the technology world, like there might be other places yeah. that I could do that. But I (laughs) will use Google as an example, right? Again, I'm a Google certified partner and I I love Google and I freaking hate Google because as soon as I create a video saying, Hey, here's how to set up this in the calendars, they switch the button, they switch the color of the button and you have to make the video again. Like it's constantly trying to update that stuff. Right. And so that is where it's not as passive as it seems. And I just use that, but I, you know, and anybody listening to this, it's in the technology field, man, if you're trying to do online courses, it's not passive. Like you're trying to keep up with every little change that is going on. You know, it's just, it's really, really rough. The other thing I think we're at, and you talked about this, like we're in this really interesting place after the pandemic. And I don't think this is just an education thing. I think we're in this really interesting place where we are sick and tired of being on zoom, whether you were working from home or in my case, educators are sick and tired of being an online, like they were in online for hours during the pandemic, trying to get kids to do stuff. So we're in this really interesting place that even if I try to set up a cohort online, nobody wants to spend more time on zoom, but we're not feeling safe enough yet to go to an in-person workshop. So I'm really struggling and I'll be, completely honest, we're really struggling with this idea of, okay, we can't get people to come on time because people don't want to spend another hour on zoom. They really don't. They are tired of technology. They're tired of being on zoom. They just want to be back with their kids. They just want to be back in person. So then we try to offer a weekend workshop. Nobody shows up.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And so we're caught right now between this. We're not quite out of the pandemic to where people feel safe being around strangers, a lot of strangers in a close Proximity, at least here in the Pacific Northwest, and we're sick and tired of being online, and so we're kind of in this. And you know, one of the things I love about these kind of moments is this is when innovation happens. How yeah. do you innovate around these challenges? And and you just look at outside of education, where are we as society? I was just reading an article the other day that I think it's um, uh, Allstate Insurance only has 1% of their workforce that is coming every day back to their office. 1%. Wow. So they're struggling. Like only 1% is coming every day. I think it was like 30, it was a New York Times article. I can send it to you if you want it for the show notes. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like 37% uh, are coming in once in a while. And then the rest of them are all working remotely. So even cor- corporations and companies are still trying to figure out how in the world do you right. run a business when you have people? And we're all in this, right? It's such a messy time, which is messy and frustrating. But if you're, if, if you're an innovator, man, there's a time, there's some, there's something that's going to come out of this. And I don't know what it is yet, but there's something that's going to come out of this, you know, that we're going to see things, we're going to see some things move. And I think that to me as a, as a, as an entrepreneur you know, and t- same thing. Like I've started and crashed more businesses than I than I can count at this point. Yeah. But I, I love that. I love trying to figure out what is that thing. You know, yeah. What, sol- what is, what's the solving magic key?
0: that solving that yeah. problem? And I mean, you're yeah. right. It's. I mean, look at Apple, right? Apple's the most lucrative country, uh, company country. Um, I I think I read something like if, if they were a country, they'd be like in the top ten for like GDP, yeah, or something like that. that. Yeah. Um, but they're the most lucrative <laughs> company in the world. Yeah. And they have tried half a dozen times to come back and then stopped. And then they finally just said, you know, we're not going to, anybody who doesn't need to be in person doesn't need to be in person for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, yeah so like, and, it, and, and not even they figured it out. Yeah. And here in
1: Seattle, I mean, there's all kinds of articles coming out here because I'm I'm based in Seattle. You know, we're very tech heavy. We're like number two mm-hmm. to San Francisco now. Yeah. And we're still struggling with commercial commercial real estate. Like people just aren't coming back. Like they thought they would commercially residential people are moving back into the city and in droves, but commercial they're still at like 53% or something. And we've got Google, Facebook, Amazon, of course, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, Microsoft. And it's just like, everybody's still trying to figure it out. And so I think as an entrepreneur, if you don't have the answers yet, that's okay. Yeah. I don't think the world has the answers of what the future looks like yet. We're still trying to figure it out, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone. And And keep trying things. Fail fast, fail loud, and celebrate your failures because that's how you learn and and the next thing might be a hit.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm going to say this on the show knowing that it's not going to come out for several weeks. Uh, So Jeff is the only one who's hearing it. Um, But it just occurred to me that I'm in the podcast space. Maybe audio, maybe audio only, live audio is the way to do it, right? You get that online learning, but I can be outside sort of thing. I mean, this is... This yeah. is a really it's not even half baked, it's like a quarter baked idea. But private podcasting feels like a good, a good place to kind of fill this need. Um because yeah. people are people are sick of being in front of their computers and I'm a computer person, so I'm always in front of it. And and yeah. that didn't occur to me. But when you're in the classroom, yeah. you're in the class you, you prefer being. Well, and
1: this is one of the things we're playing with is we call it podcast PD.
0: Yeah. Right? Oh, love Where- it. Yeah.
1: If we can get, if we can do a bunch of podcast episodes, because our, our, one of our, one of the things we're constantly talking about, one of the things we talk about as a, as a company is if you get on the phone, you win, Mm -hmm. right? You get on the phone, you win. And podcasts are the easiest thing to have on a phone and to your point. If I can give you some professional development, if I can give you a course where you're standing in the grocery line, watching the kid at soccer practice, and I can have one earbud in and I could be learning something anywhere, anytime, that's that to me, I think has something. We're playing with it. We haven't figured out the secret sauce yet, but I do think that there is something, there's something there, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Interesting I'm- to see. Uh, Yeah. I'm getting ideas. I love it. Uh, well, Jeff, this has been such a great conversation. You've given us so much already, but I do need to ask my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us?
1: Any trade secrets for you? I think the only trade secret I have, um, is when it comes to social media, know that it's all about the hashtag. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a trade secret or not, but specifically in education, um, when we're when we're doing things and we can use that free guide that you were talking about, the uh, podcasting for LGBTQ+ for Pride Month, um, you know, know, know your know your hashtags. It's one thing to send out a tweet or to send out an uh, uh, Instagram post on your account. It's another thing to know exactly where that audience is and what they follow. So for us on Twitter, it was hashtag pride month. And b- just by doing a tweet and adding hashtag pride month, you're in a different community. Those people don't follow us. Those people don't even know we existed. And here's a resource for you if you want it, right? So one of our trade secrets is know your hashtags, spend time researching what hashtags are people using, what communities have, what what hashtags have really large communities and then figure out, okay, okay, you know, be very specific. You don't want to hashtag everything, but mm-hmm. two or three really good hashtags, you know, can can really propel your content out there into new audiences that might not know you exist. And I don't know if that's a trade secret, but it's something we use all the time.
0: I mean, it's great. I I personally don't think, you know, except on Instagram, right? I think, oh yeah, blah, 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 like this hashtag, whatever. But I don't use enough hashtags on on Twitter, for example. And that's where yeah. most of my useful social media content lives um, so a quick follow up question do you use something to do hashtag research
1: what do you mean as far as like for us to do research is there like, like a
0: tool like you know there's like hrefs or whatever Like full disclosure former sponsor uh, for like keyword research is there like a, a tool for like hashtag research
1: Actually, uh, I'm, I don't I, know if, I'm able if to answer this question as I'm oh, okay. asking it yeah, I don't know if there uh, is one
0: is yeah. there one uh, well, so I use Tweet Hunter. I'm a big okay. fan of Tweet Hunter, um, okay. and they have like analytics and recommendations. I'm certain that there's like some sort of hashtag thing. Probably. Um, so yeah, super interesting though. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they exist, uh, but that's really so. How do you, so how do you figure out which hashtags to use? I guess maybe that's the real question. Yeah,
1: and and, and I mean that one for me is easy. I'm in the educational space. I've been mm. in this educational space for a long time. So we just like if if I'm you know, if I, I, you just know what they are. I mean, yeah. for me in education, if we're, if we have a, a resource that is aimed at elementary teachers, it's hashtag elementary chat, everything's chat in education. So it's E L E M chat. And
0: okay. that is where
1: all elementary teachers hang out. But then there's kinder chat, first grade chat, second grade chat, and they're all hashtags. So if we have a resource that's specifically for kindergarten, first and second grade, we put those three hashtags in and gotcha. only those teachers so we are targeting specifically, if it's an ELA resource, boom. If it's a social studies resource, boom, right? Hashtag SS chat, which is social studies, you know, yeah. education chat. Like yeah. We just know what those, we know what those are. Um, and and we, we go at them. The other thing to know is, I mean, I don't know how, how, I don't know how kosher this is, <laughs> uh, but every, every conference has a hashtag. And so a lot of times, you know, there's a big, there's a big, uh, ed tech conference called ISTE that has like usually about 20,000 educators go to the conference and the hashtag blows up during the conference. During the conference, we use that hashtag. Hey, here's a new free PDF hashtag ISTE 22. And everybody that's following that conference, whether they know us or not, is going to see that tweet because they're following that hashtag to get the most out of that conference. So if you have conferences that you know are specific to your audience, you could also use those when the conference is happening. Of course, like once yeah. the conference is done, that hashtag just kind of poof flies away, it right? Goes that.
0: away. Uh, yeah, so it's right. a good way to just
1: get new new audience members.
0: And and you're tweeting usefully, right? It's not like you're just yeah. like spamming it, like hey, exactly. fill out and listen to my podcast, right? It's yeah, like no. hey, Here's you're educators, stuff. yeah, and it's free stuff, yeah, which yeah. people are already primed to get at conferences, as you mentioned. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Love it, Jeff. This has been such a great conversation. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so uh, to learn more about me, you can go to uh, my personal website is jeffudick.com. I'm at JUTech. That's J-U-T-E-C-H-T everywhere on the socials. And then uh, the company website is shiftingschools.com. So that's it. Uh, That's where you can get us.
0: I will link to all of that in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 283. You'll also be able to join the creator crew over there. And uh, it's going to be a good, a good post-interview conversation about how the pandemic affected K through twelve and technology. Feels like Jeff's a good person to talk about uh, about this with. So, ad-free extended episodes and more. How I built it slash two eight three. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Joe. I appreciate it.
0: And thanks so much to uh, for listening. I uh, I am always thankful that thousands of you tune in to all of these episodes. I love it. Uh, Thanks to our sponsors. Definitely check them out. And until next time, get out there and build something.